For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome, uh, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Brian McKinney, who played left tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, then went on Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. We also have Sally from Minneapolis, Ron from Eden Prairie, and a holdover from last week, Kyla from Vancouver. And then... We have a man who played for the Vikings for 11 seasons, and his name is Kevin Williams. He's stopping by tonight uh, to talk about all things about present Vikings, future 2021 Vikings, and then the nostalgic stuff that he helped script as a member of the team. We'll jump into all of that shortly, but first we're going to talk about betonline.ag. The month of July is heating up, and there's a lot of tons of exciting sports action. BetOnline is where you can find it. Uh, For example, Novak Djokovic is the odds-on favorite to win Wimbledon. He's got a negative 400 money line at this moment. So if you believe in somebody else as an underdog, you can go bet on that person or believe in Djokovic, you can gamble on him. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, BetOnline has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Kevin Williams, welcome to the show, sir. How are you tonight? I'm good. How about everybody else? We are spectacular. We are pleased to meet you. Uh, the first thing I asked of all of our uh, former player guests is, how closely do you follow the current version of the Vikings? Sort of? A lot? Not at all? Um, a lot. A lot. I follow them. Uh, I try to watch them every chance I get. And uh, and if I'm going to pick a game, I usually pick their game, unless it's out of hand or something. <laughs> but the <laughs> most of the time, I'm watching those guys. I hear you. All right. Well, then I'll, I'll give you a, kind of an easy one to begin with. Um, what would be your expectation for the 2021 Vikings after all the offseason moves? Are you optimistic or tell us about it? Um, I think with everything going on, I mean, they got a chance to to get in the playoffs this year. Um, they lost a bunch of close games last year, but I think they made some moves as far as the offensive line and defensive line, which they needed to make. And uh, and the main thing is, you know, protect Kirk Cousins and get some pass rush. We didn't do either last year. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, you saw the games we lost. So I think they tried to address those issues this offseason and, and we got a good chance. I mean, with Chicago not knowing who their quarterback going to be, Green Bay not knowing who their quarterback going to be, 
And, you know, Detroit is kind of Detroit, you know, so. <laughs> That's what Bryant always says, too. <laughs> Whatever. It's exactly every time we get to Bryant, he does that laugh right there. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think they got a chance to win the division. I mean, and really win the division if Aaron doesn't come back. Yeah, that drama doesn't seem any end in sight, and we love it. We'll just keep it going all summer if we can. Sally, what do you got for yeah. Kevin? Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on. It's really cool to talk to you. And uh, congratulations on your um, Ring of Honor induction. Well-deserved. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, do you know when that's going to be, that they're going to have you up? Um, October 3rd. They just told me the other day. The Browns game. Okay. The Browns game, yes. Cool. Uh, so <laughs> we have um, training camp on the horizon. It's only three weeks from today. Um, we're good, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Training camp is on the horizon um, three weeks from today. So with that being said, um, all of your time with the Vikings was spent uh, training camps in Mankato. I personally love reminiscing about Mankato, especially today when you look back and you think, wow, these grown men who are professional athletes are being housed in dorm rooms with no air conditioning. It's just crazy to think about like in this day and age. So I was just wondering if you had any special memories from those times that stuck out to you. Um, did you enjoy it? Did you dislike it? Stuff like that. Um, you definitely didn't like it, but I mean, <laughs> but, but I mean, I mean, it was a chance. I mean, we got to spend a lot of time together. I mean, I think the point of doing it was team bonding and, and you know, you're getting to know your team and, and mm -hmm. getting to spend so much time with these guys. And, and I mean, it's, it's a chance where the groups gets to cross mingle and, you know, actually hang out and do stuff together outside of practice. And, and really that's all you have to depend on is you, each other there at camp and you got to find something to do this outside of practice that, you know, to keep the time going. So it was a lot of joking, a lot of pranks being played and, and, uh, our D line, we did a lot of stuff to those. I don't know if we did anything to Brian then, but we did a lot of stuff to the different groups to well, you know the time. Let's ask him, Bryant. Did they ever do anything to you? No, I was always kind of like an ally out there. I don't yep. really have trouble with the D line too much, but they were like kind of the bullies. Okay. Kevin, <laughs> before, anything uh, you can share with us, like a you know an innocent story that won't get you in trouble. Um. I remember, I don't know if Brian remembers, but uh, Jermaine Wiggins used to have this little scooter he rode around on, and everybody else had bikes, and he always made jokes, picked fun. We put it on the roof. Uh, Gage Hall one time. Um, I remember that. We, uh, we, hey, man, you didn't have a bike, did you? Cause we, I think we super glued everybody locks one time. No, I didn't like. <laughs> at the end of training camp, we got out early and we super glued everybody's locks, and they couldn't <laughs> unlock them. <laughs> they couldn't unlock them to go home. <laughs> and uh, it was just something. It was something all the time that we were doing, just trying to kill time. Well, I'm sure you got to do a lot of things like that just to make the days go by a lot quicker with uh, to have some fun in the middle of doing work. Um, so my question, hi, Kevin, my name's Ron. Uh, again, like Sally said, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you joining us, especially um, after your the news that you're being inducted in the Hall of Fame. So congrats on a great career in purple. Um, so my question re is related to draft day. Now, you were a part of a very interesting experience when the Vikings missed their pick and then got jumped twice for Leftwich and uh, Jordan Gross. Now, were you or were the Vikings in communication with you leading up to that point where like they tagged you as the guy that they wanted or 
was that just a complete disarray? They didn't know what they wanted to do and uh, it all worked out in the end. Like, what was your experience with that night? Um, I had no idea they were drafting me. Um, <laughs> I hadn't had any communication with them. I didn't do any interviews with them. I didn't, I didn't talk to anybody on the Viking staff at all. And uh, the, the seven pick comes up. I'm out in the yard. You know, we, we having, I'm country, so we having a barbecue. We got people coming over. We got food everywhere. So we getting ready. Whenever I do get called, all the celebrations come <laughs> but we're just sitting there and, and barbecuing and the seven pick goes and somebody, whoever jumped up, I think, uh, Jacksonville. Yeah. Jacksonville, then, uh, Carolina, then, uh, Carolina or Baltimore, somebody jumps up and goes ahead and then they pick me or whatnot. So they didn't call me, you know, you know, you normally supposed to get the call. They're about to select you at this big blah, blah, blah. None of that happened, <laughs> but, but I was the so-called guy all along. So, I mean, it paid off in the end. Uh, actually, thought they booed me when they picked me in Minnesota. But the, the I think word Suggs was the, the name yeah, that they, they wanted. Booed, the they fans. booed me because they wanted <laughs> Suggs or something like that. But hey, hey, and I, I enjoy Minnesota, man. It, it worked out for me. So yeah, couldn't have worked out because I don't know if you've looked at the names on the list that are in the Vikings Ring of Honor. It's uh I mean, it's a very robust um, name and lineage, especially when you go back to that D-line back in the Purple People Eaters. So, um, again, kudos to you on a great career, and it's well, well-deserved. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a mind-blower there when you follow the defensive line that and all the tradition that the Vikings have had at the defensive line position to be included with those guys. It's Ryan, tremendous. Bryant, were you tipped off by the team? How far in advance? I don't know if I've ever asked you that on draft night. Um, whatever the pick was before me, they called. So whoever went right before me, they had kind of called right when they were getting called. And um, that was at the draft. That's when I found out. Okay, so. fair enough. Kyla, well, I'd like to introduce you to Kevin Williams. What do you got for him tonight? Hi, Kevin. Um, my question's about coaching. Um, so I was reading the other day, and I could be totally wrong, that Leslie Frazier was the first ever um, head coach of the Vikings who came from a defensive background. Um, anyways, your first two coaches on the Vikings came from an offensive background. And I was just wondering what it was like for you to have um, a head coach coming from the defensive side and, you know, what the differences were for you. Um, uh, coach Frazier was all right. I thought... <laughs> I thought nothing against him, but I thought he was a better coordinator than, than you know, head coach at the time. I mean, I hope he – I pray he gets another shot. I mean, you know, because that's, that's tremendous responsibility as a head coach on, on your shoulders. But it was, a, it was a lot of pressure getting that group we had together and trying to get him going. But um, I, it, it was different. I mean, you know, because they got to – you see him one way as a deep coordinator, then he's the head coach, and you know he kind of got to cater to everyone. So it's kind of a different dynamic as, as a head coach than you see as a coordinator. Hey, Kevin, on now that, is, oh, go ahead. I was Ron, just going to say um, we've had a lot of discussion in the past with about Brad Childress and kind of the disdain that it seemed like a lot of uh, people may have had for him. Um, and being on the defensive side of the ball, maybe it was a little different on your interaction with him, but. Um, I guess what was your overall feeling of uh, of Chile as the head coach? Um, coach Childress was 
I don't know, kind of like the grumpy old man <laughs> kind of deal. <laughs> Did he at least know your name? Sounds like he didn't know Dante's <laughs> name or Brian's name. So <laughs> he knew my damn name. He just kept calling me Trey Thomas at the beginning. He kept calling Dante Donovan. Every time. <laughs> well, well I don't every know. Time. Me and me and Big Mac was kind of in the same situation. We did our job and, and we we didn't stay in the coach's space. So right, uh, most of the time you talking to the coach, he, he trying to get on you about something. We we mainly, we mainly did you know we did went to work, we did our work, we we hung out with the guys, but we didn't do a bunch of talking with the head coach and all that stuff. Mm-mm. What is it Not like yet. when? I mean, you like Coach Tice though, right? Yeah, it goes tight. Yeah, me too. I mean, everybody like Coach Tice, but I mean, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, Coach Coach Tice was a different breed because he played and and I don't know, he 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 was all about fun a little bit more yeah. than he than he should have been. What is it like when there is a coaching change mid season, though? How does how do you get the locker room to still try to you know get together and win games when all that chaos is going on? At that point, it's kind of you gotta. It don't matter who the coach is. At that point, really, I mean, if you got any pride about yourself, nobody wants to keep going out there getting beat up every night, every day, every Sunday. So I don't know. When we had the chair coaching issues. You know, me as as one of the older guys in the group, you just try to get your group to play the best it can, and, and you kind of drag everybody else along. And what happens happens. We know. If we got a coaching change mid-season, you pretty much know you're not going to make the playoffs. So, so at that point, you got to salvage what you can and, and try to win the battles that you can and get you know win a game and win this position, win this you know do something well to try to build on for the next season. Kevin, uh, another question about the current construction of the team, or at least the coaching. So, uh, when Zimmer was hired in 2014, he ushered in a new era of defense. Up until uh, last year, that was pretty damn good. Uh, usually up there with the Patriots in terms of supremacy. Uh, but the one spot that they always skimp up until free agency of this year is your spot, the three technique spot. They usually have a guy who's decent, you know, not bad, but just kind of a guy. And, you know, in other spots, they have Daniel Hunter, and then they had Everest Griffin, Hitman in, in the back. How can a Zimmer defense get away with just having, you know, an average uh, three tech? Like, why do they do that? I can't answer that. I've been trying to figure that out myself. I'm like, uh, I think they were really hoping Sharif was able to fill the spot when I left. And then for him to, you know, kind of abruptly not come back and have the injury, you know, not able to return. And they've been kind of fishing since then, the last probably four years, trying to find, trying to really find somebody to fill that void. Um, I don't know, they had Sheldon, you know, for a couple of years and then, mm-hmm. you know, Sheldon left, but now he's back. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he can help fill that position and be, uh, be you know, the veteran leader they need to kind of bring those young guys along. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a wonderful answer. And it makes me feel better about my brain because I've wondered it now for five years. I'm like, what am I missing? Like, there's always a dude that they can go get, but they, they stick right. with, uh, it's, it's a strange thing with a guy who loves defense that they think they can get away with, uh, you know, just kind of a decent dude. So, all right, well, thanks for that. Sally, what's what's next for you? Well, you know, we got so much money in the other spots. It's kind of yeah. hard to pay. I mean, at both ends, we were paying Everson. We were playing Daniil. We were paying all, all the linebackers. Uh, Amen. You were paying Xavier. We were playing, you know, <laughs> the whole defense really was getting paid. So, 
Yeah, so that's, that's an extremely good point. Where you find, where you find time to pay a real good three technique, or at least keep <laughs> one. Um, okay, so when you were up in Minnesota recently getting the news um, that you were going to be joining the Ring of Honor, you shared a story that um, you hadn't shared before about selecting your number 93 and the internal pressure that that resulted in for you. I was just hoping you could share that story for maybe anyone who hadn't heard it yet because I found it really interesting. Okay, Sally, so um, I got selected. Uh, they brought me in. D. Ryan, you know, if anybody knows the, the equipment guy, Dennis Ryan, he, get, he gave me uh, maybe three, four numbers, and uh, 93 was one of them. Me not knowing anything about the Vikings, not being a Vikings fan, not <clears throat> not knowing anything about Minnesota, I picked 93. Not knowing John Randall previously wore the number, and and with this and was this out of this world defensive tackle, <laughs> I know who John Randall was, but I realized that he wore 93 and was for Minnesota, so. I pick 93, I get the, you know, I get there, do all the press stuff. And then, then I realize, you know, I just picked John Randall's old number. So it's like, kid, you cannot come up here and suck and be a bust. I mean, you, you and then on top of that, you pick the number 93. So you gotta be good. You gotta go out here and play. And you gotta, you gotta be worthy of being picked number nine and wearing 93. I, I even, <laughs> It's funny, but I even peek and look and see who, uh, who Minnesota putting in 93 <laughs> since I've been gone. Because uh, <laughs> those big shoes to feel. <laughs> there are certain numbers that you see oh. on the field, and it's just like, like even like Irv Smith, 84. Irv Smith is a, you know, I think he'll be a hell of a player, but there's certain numbers where it's like, you, you got to live up to a lot with some of those. And uh, I get it. There's a, there's this only certain number of numbers that are available. At least this year, they kind of expanded the rules a little bit. So if they did expand the rules, would you have went with your college? I think was it 58? Is that what your college yeah, number was? Yeah. Is that what you have rolled with? No. <laughs> it is no, going to be I, weird I, to see a D tackle number nine. Oh I'll man. I pray, <laughs> I pray we don't get a bunch of that, man. Those <laughs> Slap nobody on the on the butt or high five. You might get it. Might get a they got five. they got whole dance routines in the end zone now after they yeah. touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the cameras on Monday night, like they, they all go find it, especially the defensive players when they get a ball. So <laughs> um, now, Kevin, my next question: We kind of alluded to it a little bit with the three tech and with the Vikings and the history here. Um, now, what you when you came in, I know I think they dabbled with you at an end spot. Um, and like, I don't know if we played really three, four or what at the time, but, uh, from your experience in playing that the, uh, either a three, four end or kind of on the interior, which is the area that you, I, I mean, obviously it shows your versatility and being able to do that, but what is the area that you thought you excelled at the most and that you would have liked to kind of be your, as your mainstay? Um, just period or, or when I was a rookie? Well, yeah, yeah. I guess in a, as a rookie, when you first came in, because obviously you you showed what you brought to the table as a three technique, but when you first came in making that um, transition from college to the to the pros? Well, uh, well, college I played in two years, and then we got a new coaching staff, and I played. That's when I started playing under tackle as a three technique my last two years. 
But when I got drafted, we had Hoban. So, you know, he was the three, the main three technique. And and they were just trying to find a way to put me on the field at that point. I mean, he done drafted me number nine. And uh, and it was like, you can't draft a kid that high. And he, he sits on the pine. So, so left in back then, that was kind of the, the strong side of the defense or where, you know, most teams are right-handed. So they would put me over the tight end and put the smaller guys, you know, over the open side. So. I got to follow the tight end because I was 300 pounds. You know, I got to play the, basically the, the strong end in rundowns and then passing situations. I played nose tackle or, you know, the nickel, the nickel nose and nose situations. But I think uh, it ended up working itself out and, and me finding a home at the three technique. And <clears throat> that's where I was able to be my best at. Kyla, you're up. Okay. Um, Kevin, so you were on the team for such a long time and you were considered, um, you know, a leader of the team. And I was just wondering in sort of your early few years on the Vikings, if there were any players or coaches that really stand out to you, you know, who mentored you uh, during those times? Um, my first couple of years, definitely um, George O'Leary as far as a coach and, um, Lance Johnstone, uh, he really stands out. I mean, because he was really my my running mate far as far as D line. But you remember Lance, Big Matt, Big Long? Yeah, I remember Lance. He all he did was passer. Yeah, that's all he did. But uh, yeah, yeah, Lance was, but he was from Philly too, wasn't he? Yeah, he's from Philly. Yeah, uh, Lance and uh, and George. You know, Lance would kind of smooth it over when George would chew my butt out. Um, as a rookie, I was kind of the main focal point in every meeting. I, the rest of the guys didn't do anything wrong. They just pointed at me, it seemed like. <laughs> George, and George was constantly, constantly chewing my butt out. But I knew I knew the reason he was doing it because he he, he saw the potential. He knew, knew I could be better than what I was showing. Kevin, we, we, we touched on Kirk Cousins' name at the beginning of the show. And – uh, I write about the team pretty profusely, and I think there is an 80% of the, the Vikings fan base that believes in him, that likes him, that uh, you know thinks he can take the team to the Super Bowl. And then there's this 20% uh, portion of the fan base that yells the loudest, that says he ain't it, <laughs> he can't do it. So I wanted to know if you care to opine on where you're at on that spectrum. Uh, how do you evaluate his talents? Um. I don't know. I, I don't. Um, I'm trying to see how I can answer that. Uh, I can I just definitely think. I definitely think Curry has a talent. You know, it's just whether whether we're going to be able to, you know, reach those high pinnacles that we want to um, to get to. I think he he's shown he got the tools and everything to to be an elite player. It's just. Uh, you know, can he, can he maintain that focus and get, and get over the hump and uh, be that superstar player we need him to be to, to get to where we want to go? But I oh. definitely think he can do it. Okay. It's just, you know, it's a lot being a quarterback, man. That's <laughs> one of the toughest positions it is out there. Hell yeah. And, All one, right. thing you gotta, and one thing you got to do is definitely – everybody always judges them, but it's definitely a tough job they have to do. 
I hear you. <clears throat> Sally, what's next? Okay, so I asked Twitter this week what were some of their favorite memories um, of yours, Kevin, and an overwhelming response was uh, the fumble recovery that you had um, during the Cowboys game where you ran it back. I believe it was 85 (laughs) yards, and then um, it was called back on penalty. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah, you got to look it up on YouTube. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, But yeah, so. What are your thoughts after that? Do you just go and like scream at the guy that got the penalty after you catch your breath? Or is it just one of those things? And me and, uh, me and Konechi Desert, we have an argument every time we talk about it. I think they called the penalty on him, but he said it was on Ray Edwards. So I don't know which one it was on, but one of them blocked behind him. Uh, <laughs> and he did it too. And, and I think Ray held the guy too. So it was, it was take your pick. But but the, the killer part about it, I think it was September or August. Probably was September. We playing in Dallas in the old stadium, so it's super hot. And I just went out, but they crossed the fifty. So coach was like, "You got to go back in." And that's usually that's usually how he kind of subbed. If, if I can I could come out, but once they crossed the forty or something like that, going into the red zone, I had to go back. I couldn't. We couldn't. They put the starters back in. So. I was still tired when I went in there and just so happened we get a sack and the ball's just laying there. And the other guy looked at me and I looked at him. I'm like, are you going to, it seemed like it was all slow motion. Like, are you going to get it? It's like you said, you going to get it? And I ended up picking it up and running it back. And I remember that Marion Barber chased me all the way. He would not stop. I'm like, he, he caught me right at the end zone. I don't see how you don't remember me. Like I was almost dead in the end zone, and Roach was pouring water on me. You have to Google it or go to YouTube. It's, it's funny. Yeah, you but, had the mask on. But yeah, I had the oxygen on, everything, the whole night. If you ask Pat Williams, he said, You died at halftime. Because <laughs> I go in, the worst part of the whole run, I think, was walking that tunnel. If you remember that tunnel, Mac, it like went straight up. And it was like went like straight up to the locker room. So that was worse than the whole run. And then we get in there, they're trying to find a vein for, for IV and blood just shoots everywhere. It, it was it was crazy. But I mean, I did all that and it didn't even count. So that, that was the worst part, I think. Well, you show you put you put some film on tape. So if they ever wanted to get a goal line package, uh you know, to, to get you the ball, uh, you showed you were athletic enough to handle it. So, um, you did mention Pat Williams there. <laughs> um, you did mention Pat Williams and I did want, we did have him on a couple months back and I kind of asked him the same question. Um, but I kind of want to get your perspective on it because seemingly you two were inseparable on and off the field. <laughs> what was it, um, with the dynamic of the two of you and seemingly, um, I know he's got a very boisterous personality, um, you know, but, uh, what was it that made you two, um, kind of so close and have that rapport on and off the field man we just we just hit it off i mean he came in to to, to when he, we signed him uh we met we talked for a few minutes and and i don't know it was just the competitiveness i guess he pushed me and i pushed him i always tell him he never made the pro Bowl until he played with me so he ought to think about <laughs> that <laughs> he ought to think about that <laughs> when he's done but you know it was the competitors. We had a, our inside game. I mean, we had an inside battle every week. 
of who's going to get more tackles, more sacks, more TFLs. He was going to win the, the crap talking battle because I mean, he wasn't about to win that. <laughs> but, but, uh, but as far as the stats, we, we had kind of this little inside competition over there in the corner where, where we were having it between ourselves and then. And then Jared came. We just made a three-horse race, and we all were competing. And, and I don't know. That's when we were playing some lights-out defense and, and really getting after people. So how much easier did it make your life as a three-technique, having that just space eater right there next to you to, to kind of help you, let you go do your thing? Or did, was it kind of both? You helped him uh, eat up and – or, you know, get the get the running back? Or, like, how – with – where I guess my question before yeah, and no, after the Pat Williams crazy. impact. I don't think what was that was that Brent? Double team. Okay. Uh, yeah, that and I and I that's what I used to say uh, in the fast rush. I'm like, Jared has 15 sacks and y'all still one on one blocking it. I'm like, why am I getting a double team? <laughs> but but hey, I know I know the things and, and what I was able to do to help those guys get open, be robbed. Uh, Ray, Pat, uh, Jared, just just being, keep being dominant and doing my job. I think it helped all the front, everybody on the front, even when, I don't know, I think they still didn't double team Pat. <laughs> he, <laughs> he played a few double teams, but, but he, he he helped me a lot, though. When he came in, <laughs> anchor on the front, oh, man, that was that was fun stuff. I loved it when you said um, Pat never made a Pro Bowl until he got to play with you. <laughs> <laughs> but you made one without him. <laughs> yeah, I made, I, made, I made one or two without him. So, hey, I'm like, you, you got to remember that, buddy. I helped you out more than you helped me. <laughs> Is it true that you guys had matching cars? Matching cars. Impalas? Uh, uh, he had a 63 and I had a 64. Oh, okay. Yeah, they didn't match. They were different colors and everything, but we we didn't have a problem. Jared said that he felt like left out because you guys had the same car. So that's (laughs) Jared always feeling left out. (laughs) 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 That's my guy, though. (laughs) He always told me we leaving him out. He did buy some cowboy boots, though. So that was cool. Hey, Bryant, whenever we have on, your teammates from this era, whether it was Pat Williams, um, Troy Williamson, uh, Ray Edwards, they always say that Kevin was the most chill, like across the board. Uh, was there anybody as chill as him, like with the Ravens or the Dolphins, or, or is he always going to take the, the cake there? Nah, Kevin was real chill. Even when it came to his moves, when his pass rush, they were like real smooth and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, nah, he pretty much was probably the one of the most laid back teammates that I've had that I can recall. How is that? That was so dominant too, but he pretty much has a laid back personality. Now, yeah, how is that when it it comes to on Sundays turning that switch on? Because, I mean, not not that um, I heard any audio or anything, but like from the looks of it, obviously you were just manhandling, dominating people. And it looked like you had that mean streak. Like how is it? Is it just a switch that during the week you're Kevin Williams on the field, you're number 93? Yeah, man, it's competitive. I mean, I was telling my daughter last night, and we were watching the NBA Finals, and they were singing the national anthem, and I was like, 
it's go time now. She was like, what? I was like, oh, I was like, my bad. I was just trying to tell you. I was like, I was telling you when, uh, when they got through singing that national anthem, when I was playing, hey, hey, I, I, I thank the good Lord and hey, tell him, hey, it's time to go. It's time to go now. So that juice get the flowing. She was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She, she's only 10, so she was just looking at me like, what are you talking about? But they were singing it on the NBA championship last night, and I was just messing with it. But, yeah, once once that anthem is played or you hit those warm-ups, and once you really lock those pads, and we do – you know, Brian, when we do the one-on-ones and the run block, mm-hmm. once you set them pads right there, you know it's time. It's time to go. Yeah. Kevin be the only person I knew you'd be chewing gum, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I chewed it to the end, man. I, I, play I didn't play with a mouthpiece. I just chewed. Uh, I chewed juicy fruit. <laughs> I chewed juicy fruit the whole game. <laughs> How many sticks would you go through? Because I feel like it loses flavor really quick. Uh, I usually get two before the game, and then two at halftime. Oh. We up the whole game. They be like, "How you doing?" I'm like. We don't take blind shots, so every shot we see is mostly head on. So, so I wasn't worried about you know your teeth chatter or anything. I right. mean, we see most of our hits. I didn't wear one either because I could. I don't know. I'd be gagging and stuff, so I never. Wore yeah, it, I didn't like that either. The gags and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. so I, like, I don't know where I picked that up from, but anybody used to see you chewing gum? Like chewing yeah, gum. I be chewing hard too. <laughs> the the more tired I got the harder I was chewing (laughs) Kyla what's your next thing for Kevin Williams tonight Um, my my next question Kevin I was wondering who was your favorite quarterback to sack um that whole little crew in the in the NFC the NFC North um, really Rogers really you know Favre early on because he talked smack the whole time <laughs> <Good answer. laughs> and, uh, and I used to have my best days against Detroit though I mean I got I got half of my 63 sacks against Detroit <laughs> no but uh, it, it was that whole NFC crew was fun because that's your division you see them twice a year you get to know those offensive linemen and and you get to whoop them, you know, you don't really get to see those other teams very much. But I really like playing the NFC opponents and, and getting after those guys. Is there a specific sack in your career or maybe even against one of them in the North that really sticks out to you as one of your favorites or most memorable? Uh, the last couple I got in Minnesota were pretty memorable because I kind of knew I probably wasn't going to be back. And, uh, and then they asked me to play nose in a position I never played before. And uh, it was Thursday night. I think I sat RG3 like twice or three times or something like that. And uh, that might have been the last game I even played. So at the Metrodome. So it kind of was the ones that stick in my mind. And then, and then maybe I forgot which quarterback I sat. said broke his finger. I think it was. I can't remember which one. Long time ago. <laughs> Is there an uh, offensive lineman that you had kind of a personal rivalry with? I know McKinney talks about uh, Bajabi Amila with Green Bay as his, the guy um, that he looked forward to going up against. Is there an interior lineman that, that you had that rivalry with? Um, 
Not really. I mean, I, I really didn't pay attention to who the name was on the jury. They used to be like, who was your favorite guy to go against? And I'm like, I don't know. They were nameless great faces when we were playing. It's like, I wasn't worried about him. I wasn't <laughs> be worried about what I was doing. So, <laughs> so a lot of those guys is like, I used to hate going against Hutchinson, but then he got on my team. So that kind of makes <laughs> practice. <laughs> But uh, probably makes other matchups a lot easier when you're going up. Yeah, it did. It really did because <laughs> I mean, because he, he had, I mean, he's going in the hall for a reason. I mean, he had, as an offensive lineman, you want to be patient. And and if he can be patient as that guy rushing and the defensive lineman really don't know what to do. I mean, because you want him to shoot, you want him to show something where you can react. But if he never gives you anything, you just, you just going to run right into him and then he's going to grab you. I mean, Big Mac probably know that if, if, if you can hold your hands as a as a lineman, that, that don't give the, the rusher anything to counter off of. Yeah. You're yeah, going yeah. to his um to Canton with him, right? And with with Hutch, aren't you going to his oh, ceremony? That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, it's super cool that you're gonna go support him. Yeah. All right, Kevin, I got one more for you personally. Um, it's, it's also about the 2021 roster. So uh, last year we replaced Linval Joseph with Michael Pierce at nose tackle. And he didn't play last year, but he, he'll be back this <coughs> September. And then one of the first big moves of this offseason was signing uh, Dalvin Tomlinson to play the three-tech, kind of in a run-stuffing capacity. That should sound familiar. Um, and then, lo and behold, about a month ago, we brought Sheldon Richardson back who is a starting three tech or was with the Browns. So are there too many cooks in the kitchen there? How would you foresee Zimmer mixing in Sheldon Richardson to ensure he gets his snaps? Um, I can see those, those first two Tomlinson and, and Pierce being your first, second down guys, you know, want the nose and in the, in the, in the three and then Sheldon, you know, getting his reps in the nickel and, and, and third down situations. Um, not saying he won't play, you know, any base downs or rundowns, but I mean, you got those two big guys. I, I mean, I stood next to both of them. I mean, they're like two miniature pass to me, and uh, <laughs> and and they should be able to plug some holes in and and really get guys should be able to run on us up front if they're doing their jobs. And that and Sheldon should definitely be able to help them get after the quarterback with some push in the middle. So. Like I said earlier, I think they really addressed those issues in the line as far as offensive and defensive line to to uh, to kind of get us where we need to be. Uh, is it true that uh, Everson trying to come back? I don't know. What's the word? <laughs> yeah, that's that. It's true that I believe he wants to come back. Um, it's just, and we we could use a another defensive end right now. We plan to either go Stephen Weatherly, who's the presumed front runner. Uh, or DJ Wanham, who got some time last year. And then we have two rookies uh, developing there, and uh, Janarius Robinson and Patrick Jones the second. So, yeah, indeed, there's a spot for him. Uh, we're just not sure if the front office is ready to extend that olive branch. Yeah. We shall see. That's why kind of the Sheldon Richardson thing was, first, it was, it was very cool, uh, but it was like, we thought you guys were going to sign another edge rusher. <laughs> and lo and behold, we get an interior guy, but we already have a bunch of those. Well, so now, 
Kevin, at what what stage in your tenure with the Vikings did um, Andre Patterson um, was? Did he become the D line coach? Was that because you said George O'Leary, and I, that was a name I completely forgot about? But was it when he left for Notre Dame that Patterson stepped into that role? No, Patterson came at first year. Zimmer was there, which was the first oh, okay. Year so, so okay. Uh, he's been there since Zimmer's been there. So what is that? Okay. Seven, years, six years, something like that. Seven. No, I've been seven years. Huh? So if we, yeah, but I guess what, what I was going to ask with that is, um, are are you familiar much with um, with Patterson and his um, development on these D linemen that we've had over the years? Because you know, really since you know your era with um, drafting you and then Udeza and Erasmus James, like we haven't really spent a lot of draft capital in the early rounds on D line, but we've always had these guys that come through. Whether it's Brian Robinson, um, you know Ray Edwards is another name that you had mentioned. We've had a lot of production out of those guys. Is there something that like that he does differently than other D line coaches that gets that? Um, I guess gets the production out of the um, those guys early, or is it just? guys falling in the right spot and it all kind of coming together. Well, I think he's just maximizing those guys that, and what they're good at. Um, if you put a guy in, you know, his role and he's in that right role, you can get, you know, the maximum production out of them. And I think they do a lot better job than when, when, when we played where they have a rotation. You have, now you have guys, you know, specifically like towards the end when I went to Seattle New Orleans, you had two guys for, you might have had three guys play first down, second down, then you had a whole nother three guys to come in and play, you know, third down or second and long or however that was. And, and I think these teams now are doing a good job of rolling those guys in there because when I played, me and Jared and maybe a few other guys, we played every play. In first, second, third, we didn't come off. So so I think they're doing a good job of finding each player's niche and, and just letting them be good at that at that that particular spot. All right, Kevin, we'll get you out of here on a basketball question. You talked about watching the finals with your daughter. Uh, who's going to win the finals, the Bucks or the Suns? Uh, we got an Arkansas guy on, on the Bucks, but I think the Suns are going to pull it off. I think their, uh, their other players are just contributing too much or can contribute too much to the game. And, uh, and right now, Chris Paul is looking, you know, the best he's ever looked in, in the playoffs. And just, you know, hopefully everything works out and he stays healthy and uh, can finish. I think I think that'll be tough to beat. It's really turning it just the way that the injuries have kind of lined up for the other teams that they've faced. Uh, and then the way that uh, Paul has stepped up, it's feel like it's a fairy tale. Like, you know, yeah. Just, yeah, he didn't have to join a super team, any of this. He's just doing it on his, not on his own, but he's making, uh, you know, the championship his rather than doing it at age 39, like on Durant's coattails or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely looking like the stars are lining up for him. Mm-hmm. LeBron was coming off injury. AD was got hurt game four, whatever it was. And <laughs> yeah. Utah didn't have their best player. And then, you know, it's just one series after another where it seems like it's lining up perfect for him to and then you post it in the West uh, Kawhi was out. So yep. uh, yeah. That that was the other game. So just it looks good. I mean, if they can keep executing the way they are, it's gonna be tough to put them out. Excellent. So Milwaukee's a fighter, so uh, they're not there for a re- for no reason. No, I hear you. 
Well, I think uh, most of us on this call, a lot of us on the call will be in attendance when uh, you get inserted into the Ring of Honor in, what do we got, three short months. And maybe um, if you're so inclined, you can come back and talk to us mid-season or so and kind of assess how the, the team's doing then. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, we appreciate you dropping by, sir. Uh, anything else from you tonight, Kevin? Nah, I'm good, man. Appreciate you guys thinking about me, man. It's oh. fun. Oh, hell yeah. Thanks right. a lot, Kevin. Anything what else from you, B Mac? I said thanks a lot, Kevin. Uh, no problem, bro. We take me. All right. Well, that's all we have for tonight. And we'll be back in two weeks. And Skull Vikings. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save